Thanks for joining us for another episode of Everyday Theology, where we connect theological truths to everyday believers. And uh, that's what we are. We're ordinary pastors, uh, connecting theological truths to ordinary believers. And uh, we have a wonderful interview for you today. Um, this is my buddy, Jake Stone. Jake is a student at Southern Seminary and uh, has been a friend for a couple of years. Jake, thanks for hopping on with us today. Thanks, Ben. I'm glad to be able to be with you. So, Jake, let's uh, let's start with some small talk, Ben. Um, tell us your story. Tell us how you got, uh, how you became a Christian. Tell us where, how you got to where you are at Southern Seminary and uh, what you're doing there and how that's going. Yeah, so I, um, I'm originally from Gulfport, Mississippi. I grew up in a, a Christian home, blessed with a faithful uh, father and mother who loved Christ, loved his church. And um, so that was a big part of my growing up experience. I mean, when the doors were open, we were there at everything. And I'm very thankful uh, for that testimony. And when I was a teenager, uh, the, the gospel became a reality in my heart. I still vividly remember the, the sermon text being the, the rich young ruler. And, and a lot of that really applying to, to me, uh, a church kid who had grown up in the church and all those things, but still had not rested and trusted in Christ and him alone for salvation. So in God's grace, he saved me. And at the age of 19, I began preaching. And also that same year began pastoring. Uh, don't exactly recommend uh, that course, but you know, I only had three months of experience, but that's how in God's providential working, it happened for me. I served uh, two different churches for uh, almost 12 years, including uh, actually pastoring a home church that I grew up in for nine and a half, really leading in many ways a uh, revitalization uh, journey. Uh, earlier this year, I stepped down and really wanted to concentrate on kind of a new season, being able to go for formal education and, and training. I have never had the opportunity to go to seminary, and I have uh, had a Great love for the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary here in Louisville. Uh, been on campus several times. Uh, sat in a uh, Baptist history class that Dr. Tom Nettles taught, and so just really this was where I wanted to go if if the Lord permitted and worked, and He has. And so I, I moved up here in June, and I will be starting my first classes in uh, just a few days, and also starting today uh, a job in the library on campus. So I'm really, really excited for that. Kind of my my um, major goal is I'm starting the MDiv program this fall, mm -hmm. but after that, I would then like to go in and do PhD work and do that specifically in church history and Baptist history. That that really is yeah. the passion that I have. So, And, and that's our topic for today is uh, we're going to kind of talk a, a little bit, just a, a, a small uh, minute part of Baptist history, but uh, I, I really think, brother, you're you're living proof that uh, you don't have to have seminary to to do to be a faithful pastor. And uh, so, can you maybe speak to that just a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things that I feel like I got to personally witness was we're living in a very blessed time where we have so much access to resources, whether that be in the form of video or audio lectures, sermons, books, uh, conferences, 
And so for somebody like me, I was able really to say, you know what, I may not have the, the formal training, but, you know, as, as a pastor and, and as a preacher, you have to ask yourself, do I just want to be kind of mediocre and just, you know, just go through week in, week out and not just do the bare minimum? Mm-hmm. Or do I realize that in the role that I have, because most guys are serving in smaller churches, they're serving in a, in a blue collar environment where, you know, your congregation is not going to be able to, to read all the books that you read and do all that yeah. kind of stuff. So you're called to be the public theologian in that in that community. And so you have a responsibility to, to, to read, to be as informed as possible. And I promise you, you know, everybody, they're already getting all the cultural hot takes out there that they can handle. And even more than that, we need to be equipped to be able to give them good, solid, wholesome doctrinal truth that yeah. will be good for their souls. And so that means, you know, trying to be acquainted with as many subjects as possible. It doesn't mean that we're, we're not going to be an expert on everything, but we should try to have a good diversity in reading in different yeah. areas so that we've got a, at least a good foundational knowledge about a wide variety of subjects. And, you know, and, and another thing to do is be able to have other pastors in your area that you can maybe read with while work mm. through something together. And, and that's a great way of, of fellowship and sharpening one another. So absolutely. I, you know, I, I've, I've kind of said that I've, I've got a lot of on the ground, ex, on the job, on the ground experience. Now I'm going for the for the formal certificate almost. Yeah, for sure. Um, but but I feel like it also helps me bring a different perspective in seminary classes and even interacting with people that'll be in my classes. Mm-hmm. Um, having the the ten years plus you know experience of being on you know in the trenches, so to speak. Yeah, in in one way or another, really, I I really think you kind of have the upper hand um, as far as like getting into seminary now because you're. The guys you're going to be with are probably going to be younger than you, but they're probably going to be they're, they're probably just going to be training for ministry, not actually having been in ministry where you have, you know, that 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 decade of of pastoral ministry. And it, it shows us it proves to us as you know ordinary pastors that it is your theology that drives your practice. Um, if you if you really believe what you say you believe and that's going to inform the way you shepherd God's church and that's vitally important today because there is so many competing worldviews and competing agendas that are infiltrating you know uh, believers minds so let's uh shift just a minute man uh tell me because I don't know that I know this tell me how you came to love Baptist history what 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 sparked that because you like Man, you're like the Baptist history guru, dude. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. I'm still, <laughs> I, I still, I still learn things daily myself, and so I'm, I'm ever learning. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I. It's probably a little bit of a combination of things. Um, number one, so we'll just go ahead and, and share how nerdy I am. Um, <laughs> when I was in the second grade, so we're going way back here. There was in our classroom a poster of the U.S. presidents. And I, I looked at it many times and decided, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to memorize this and I want to know who these men were. Yeah. So that began. So I memorized the presidents on my own. That was not something required for class and was not something that was required in the home. And <laughs> um, but once I did that, you know, my mom started buying me books uh, on the presidents. And so, you know, 
uh, election 2000, Bush versus Gore was really the first election that I could vividly remember being engaged in. I mm-hmm. made my parents watch both party conventions and the debates. <laughs> I mean, they voted, but they were, you know, they weren't really engaged in it that much. But then I yeah. came along, got into this. So, so I've always had a love for history. Um, so there's that. And then I, I grew up in a uh, landmark Baptist background. And obviously, there's some things from from that world and and that tradition that I no longer would would agree with. Um, Mm -hmm. And there are views on Baptist history there that I I would not agree with anymore. However, there was an importance placed uh, on knowing roots in in our Baptist life. And so that that probably in some ways really, you know, fashioned and, and shaped me in a lot of ways. And then as, as I came to more and more understand the Protestant Reformation, um, Calvinism, Arminianism, all of those things that how does, how did that, you know, and I was dealing with that in my own, you know, life, mm-hmm. my own convictions, what did I believe? And so then, you know, trying to understand what, what have Baptists historically believed? And, and that really was a big component in that because that's mm-hmm. how, you know, you start learning about confessions of faith. Uh, different men. How did we get here? And so I just kind of, I don't know if I would say there's like one thing that sparked me, yeah. but it's just kind of a combination of a, of just a lot of things and just my personality. So mm-hmm. that's kind of, and, and it's ever been where I am today and why I'm going, you know, for the formal training and what I'd like to, to do is that I think, you know, Dr. Michael Haken always says, if, if Baptists don't tell their story, nobody will. And I think out of at least I feel this way that out of any Protestant slash dissenting tradition, Baptists seem like they're either the most unaware of their history um, or the most embarrassed by their <laughs> history slash distinctives mm-hmm. and, and identity. And so that means that we've got to work on that and not be uh, embarrassed by being who we are. So I think all those things probably factor in about why I'm passionate about knowing Baptist history and teaching it to people and sharing it with them. They may not always want to hear everything that I've got to say. And sometimes I don't need to tell them everything that I think because we'll be there a long time. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that, that would be kind of how, how that's happened for me. I think that's good. I, and I think you're exactly right that people, um, you, it, it is an either one or the other they don't want to hear it or they're just embarrassed about it i mean that's that's a huge point especially like with with our tradition you know uh you know we get caricatured a lot for for saying the word apostasy quite a bit you know and uh we get you know we get sometimes uh hated on for being uh those who who wash the saint's feet and a lot of a lot of our people sometimes get a little bit embarrassed to say well, we wash feet. We believe in the possibility of, you know, falling away. And, uh, but that's, that's, that's our tradition. And, and that's, it's something that makes us who we are. That's what distinctly makes us free will Baptists. Um, so let's go back then, uh, back to, uh, 1600s, maybe, um, early 1600s. In, in that time period, uh, there were really two main groups, uh, going kind of, splitting ways pretty much after, uh, you know, about a century after the Reformation. Um, so tell us uh, really how 
Baptist uh, sort of split up into the particular and the general, if you will, just to kind of give us, give our listeners sort of an, an overview of, of, of really, um, you know, how, how Calvinists can be Baptists and how Arminians can be Baptists. <laughs> yeah. So both, so both your, your, your general Baptist tradition, which is your, your Arminian Baptist tradition and your particular Baptist tradition, which is your Calvinistic Baptist tradition. Both of those groups come out of um, English separatism. So when people think about during this time, we, we often think about the Puritans. And um, sometimes what people may maybe gets lost is Puritans are really the term for the group of people who stayed in the Church of England, who are really trying to reform and purify uh-huh. the church. The separatists would have had you know, the same convictions theologically in many ways, except they said the Church of England is basically just like Rome. They are both mm-hmm. apostate. They are the, you know, the harlot of Babylon, the Antichrist, yeah. whatever term you want to use here. You know, it's time to leave. It's time to separate, go out. Mm-hmm. And so you've got a group of, of separatists and men like uh, John Smith, and Thomas Helwes represent a group out of the separatist tradition who are going to really be um, what we would say a spouse. Um, Baptist slash congregationalist uh, mm-hmm. principles and beliefs, but also came to adopt really a, a soteriological understanding that we would identify with Arminianism. Now, one of the things we have to, we do in history, we use labels, but sometimes we use labels to make things neater because they're more complex. And, and you've got to yeah. understand that during this time with, with, with Smith and Helwes, um, you've got the Senate of Dort and all that's going on uh, in Holland at the same time, concurrently in the 1610s. Yeah. So you got a lot of stuff going on here. And there and there's debate as to how much would, you know, those men have read anything by uh, Jacob Arminius and all that. I'm not going to go down that road. Mm-hmm. But yeah, right. say, so that's where that tradition is born out of separatism. We'll move more into an Ar- Arminian uh, direction as far as, you know, how does God save? How does all that unfold? Mm-hmm. And then you've still you still back in England, you've got that separatist tradition and congregationalism. And you're going to have um, what is known as the JLJ Church in London that began in the 16 teens. Uh, groups come out of that by the late 1630s. There are men like uh, John Spilsbury. Uh, Henry Jesse will come a little bit later as far as moving more and more in a Baptist direction. And really, your kind of culminates in 1644. There are seven of those churches in London, and they publish a confession of faith, which we yes. now refer to as the first London Baptist confession. And it was mm-hmm. a Calvinistic document. So yeah. both groups um, come out of this broader English separatism movement. Um, but one is going to move into more of an Arminian direction, as is you know laid out in, in their confessions of faith. I'll make that clear. Both groups wrote confessions. Yeah. So when people will say that you know Baptists are an anti-confessional, anti-creedal people, um, that's just not uh, accurate historically. Mm-hmm. Both both groups, some of the earliest things they did to try to publish publish and publicly say this is what we believe, they wrote confessions of faith. 
And so, um, so those groups are coming out of that separatism. Both of them would have been very much also influenced and really come out of, of congregationalism. I would say a little bit more so for the particular Baptist movement when you think of the Congregationalist Independent Movement with men like Jeremiah Burroughs, uh, Thomas Goodwin, and John Owen. Um, mm-hmm. But both would have had a lot common in, in polity and in how they viewed worship. And but there would have been, you know, some differences then on soteriology in many ways. Yeah. But really, and I'm I'm kind of getting into the next question with that by this talking point. But really, for the most part. Um, a lot of confessional General Baptist Arminians like like us, like Free Will Baptists, who who associate more with Helwith and Grantham, um, would 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 really probably not find a whole awful lot we disagreed with in the London Confession. Um, there, you know, it's it's sort of like Arminius with Calvin, most of his disagreements were between uh election and and perseverance really those are the really the two main talking points there where where arminians this where arminius was disagreeing with calvin and that's pretty much uh i think dr matt pinson likes to say we we believe uh we believe differently on how you come in a state of grace and how you come to not be in a state of grace but how you stay in a state of grace we agree on um so uh that my next question is sort of like that so can you tell us some commonalities between the general and the particular baptist you hinted on it like congregationalism uh you know they're they're baptists and how they do their polity they're baptists and how they view worship um any other commonalities uh maybe something on the means of grace something like that yeah well, I think so. So one of the things, and, and so I'm going to give, I'm going to give a, um, a, I can just do a quick detour here. Sure, go ahead. You know, five, if five, five years ago, I wouldn't have had this conversation with you, you because yeah, yeah. I, I would have been in a very much, a, a little bit of a, we'll, we'll use the, the common term, the cage stage uh, mentality and <laughs> Calvinism, but yeah. really uh, somebody that we, we both know of, uh, love and appreciate a lot um jesse owens who teaches yeah. it at, at welch so um i had read uh, article that jesse wrote with the founders journal on andrew fuller and dan taylor which is over 100 years later in, in the two groups so a little bit different yeah. from the time we're talking about and i had also seen from the gospel coalition um brother that i know and respect uh, jeff robinson did an interview with with Dr. Matt Pinson about yeah. reformed Armenians, and I'm like, what is that? That that's you know that's uh, sounds like a jumbo shrimp, you know. That just yeah, make right, right. Sense. And um, but it really helped me. And I read Dr. Pinson's book. Um, Jesse has become you know one of my dearest friends uh, that I have, and a fellow Baptist history nerd. And come to realize. You know, the differences are real, so I'm not going to downplay the differences. Sure, sure. You know, there's a big yeah, difference. There is. But in Dr. Pinson's book, Timothy George, another uh, Baptist history and theologian uh, hero, he said in that blurb that that we are we're theological cousins. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say we're Christian. We're Christian brothers and we're theological cousins. Yes. And so I tease sometimes and, and I said I told him I would say this on this podcast. I would say that Jesse is one of my favorite 
Reformed Baptist. Now that would cause a, quite a stir. And I mean, why word? What does that mean? He's, you know, he's not a Calvinist. Yeah. So I try to say, what do we have in common? Well, if you take, for example, uh, Thomas Monk's uh, An Orthodox Creed. Yeah. And if you take that and compare that to the Second London Baptist Confession, you're going to find that both groups really hold to what we would say are the, are the five solos of the Protestant Reformation. So Absolutely. we've got a really strong uh, connection there that we are Protestants. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and we can, and I think you can also say that, you know, because, you know, Hey, we get hate from Presbyterians about calling ourselves reformed. <laughs> so, you know, we, we, right, feel, we right. feel that pain too. So we can yeah. all say that we're, and in that sense, we, we, in, we hold a reformed tradition because, you know, both groups really have a strong emphasis on the ordinary means of grace in worship, specifically, the sacraments or ordinances, whichever term a person wants to use, both had an understanding of spiritual presence in the Lord's Supper. Um, that's seen in both of those confessions of faith. So you've got this understanding, therefore, on um, broadly speaking, Protestant slash Reformed theology. That's in common. You have a sacramentology. That's a lot the same. Now, there are some differences there. Are, you know, the general Baptist did laying on of hands. That was yeah. not as common among particular Baptists. But as far as worship from the, the things that I can kind of glean in, in my reading, there would have been a lot of similarities on the importance of, you know, the preaching of the word, um, an ordinary regulative principle worship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, both groups would have, you know, strongly championed that. And then as well as a lot of polity, um, you know, understanding elders and deacons. Um, again, there were some nuanced differences, but both groups were very much emphasized associationalism, the importance mm-hmm. of local church autonomy. But that has to be guarded by a good interdependency, a good yeah. associationalism. Mm-hmm. And so. I. I I find it in many ways refreshing to say, you know what, I can have good friendships, good fellowship with brothers like like you and Jesse, who we have disagreements on things. But, you know, those disagreements in the grand scheme of things are a lot smaller than sometimes we we're, we're led to believe. And, yeah. and we shouldn't feel like we're we're, you know, in some competition. And, and I think that that happens easily. We can all retreat into our tribes if we're not careful. And sure. um, and and I would say, you know what? If I still had that mindset, then I then there are some actually some rich friendships I would not enjoy today if I had that you know that that mindset. And yeah. so I think there's a lot to learn. And I'll tell people now. I come to the place where a Thomas Monk or a Thomas Grantham or a Dan Taylor that comes later, their story is just as much a part of my Baptist. His history and heritage as the Andrew Fuller, Charles Spurgeon, and Benjamin Keaches of the world. Mm. Yeah. Are there some guys that I more stand with? Absolutely. But sure. we're I'm a Baptist, and so this is all part of the Baptist story. So uh, we need to know it and, and learn from it. And there's a there's a lot to learn from that as well. Um, if I can just give one example about, you know, even you know, there's a lot of discussion debate about what kind of relationships did those groups have in the 17th century. But yeah. I do find it very interesting that there were um, 12 general Baptists who were about to be um, executed. And there was a young man from from 
their community who the only person that he knew that to go to for help was William Kiffin, who was a particular yeah. Baptist, but he was a wealthy one, you know, one, one of the few wealthy <laughs> Baptists back in the day. Right. And, um, you know, and he went and pleaded with him about what was to, about to happen. And because they were going to be executed because they were, you know, dissenters and they were being accused of, of trying to overthrow the, the, the monarchy and all that. And Kiffin went and secured their release. He paid their, their bail, you know, to yeah. get them out. And, um, you know, I've said if there was nothing but heated animosity between all the groups, you know, they would not have even probably approached Kiffin and even thought he would have considered it. And so it's a really mm -hmm. good uh, antidote story um, that you could have the differences, but there was also friendliness and, and, a, and a sense of brotherhood as well. Yeah, and that's I think that's vitally important um, for, for us today to understand that that we're we're not here debating first order issues. Um, I, I was, I'm, I'm writing a paper right now and I just came across uh, where someone has said the Arminianism Calvinism debate is a gospel issue. And um, while some Arminianism Calvinism debate is a gospel issue, I would say this one is not, um, you know, Reformed Arminians, uh, and in my specific case, Free Will Baptists, believe in the five solas. We confess the five solas, that salvation is from Scripture alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. And uh, it's not of works. Man has nothing to contribute. Man is totally depraved. Um, and man is only saved by Christ, and he is only kept by Christ. And uh, that was that's actually what I'm writing a paper on is is reformed Arminianism and assurance. And um, so it's it's uh, it's it's comforting. I, I think it's great to know that the same Baptist history that you have is the same one that we have. And that that's not just your history or my history, but it's our history. And we would do well to to have more um, conversations and more friendships and more relationships and and dialogue uh you know the dialogue is a good thing so um so we've talked about the commonalities um let's let's talk about some differences um maybe maybe speak to the particular general baptist divide there um and and how um what maybe the some of the few key tenets of how that came about yeah, I would say so definitely when you're thinking about it in the context of the broader Protestant Reformation, you've got basically a stream, you have streams that are going to move more into a direction that is going to be a strong emphasis on the bondage of the will, on a predestination, um, where election is of individuals specifically um, mm -hmm. unto eternal life. And so then you've got really when you look at um, Jacob Arminius and the tradition that comes out of there and then in, in England, someone like uh, John Goodwin um, yep. that move more into, you know, they're going to espouse uh, doctrines like prevenient, prevenient grace, which is different than uh, how uh, Calvinists speak of effectual or irresistible grace. Mm -hmm. And so basically in a, a nutshell, if somebody just wants to think about the, the tulip, 
you know, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints. Basically, those five points, um, the way that they are parsed and debated and discussed become really a lot of the differences between the two groups. Um, the general Baptists are going to follow a little bit way more um, in the articulation of the, the, the Armenian remonstrance, mm-hmm. whereas the particular Baptist, I mean, in fact, they're going to use at times in uh, both of the first and the second line of confession, you can really hear uh, the language of the, the canons of Dort that come out yeah. of the Senate of Dort. Yeah. And so that basically is is really coming down to how do how exactly does this salvation work as far as how does God's grace save? Uh, how does God do it? In a lot of ways, um, that is where the differences fall. Now, I will say it is kind of interesting. I think one thing that some people might be surprised to find out is that um, there are many general Baptists who affirmed uh, the imputation of Christ's righteousness. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thomas, Thomas Grantham wrote on that extensively. So I think sometimes maybe some on my side may not exactly realize that. Uh, something that I think lots of Baptists don't realize anymore is that both groups, both general and particular Baptists, had a very strong understanding of covenant theology. Yes, is how we understand these things. So the, the, they're, they're, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but there, there were no dispensationalists among these groups in the 17th it wasn't century. Wasn't um, around so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and so, um, so both both sides, you know, Thomas Grantham articulates about covenant of works, covenant of grace, and yeah. you got that um, in the particular Baptist. And again, there were some differences in how they would articulate, but you still had these concepts and frameworks in both groups. So it really, it really is interesting in a lot of ways. You know, I read Dr. Pinson's book. Obviously, he didn't, you know, convert me. I'm still a Calvinist. Yeah, um, sure. Right. But, um, but it, but it was interesting. I felt like I got a better appreciation. And one thing that I'll tell anybody, whether you're on, you know, you lean into my side or your side, um, we would all do well to actually read the the people, not just read about the people. Usually right. when you read the people, <laughs> you kind of come away with a little bit of a different um, perspective than you might have had. You know, I, I've tried to read in some different Baptist history series. You know, I read a good, you know, monograph on Thomas Grantham and, and his mm-hmm. theology. And yeah, I had disagreements and, you know, read some things he said. And I was like, no, that's not where I am. And I would, you know, push back. But I got a better appreciation for a lot of areas where, you know, I agree. Would agree with him. There, there would be no be, be no differences. So, sure. when, but when it comes down, you know, there were a little bit of um, some differences on ecclesiology. Um, for example, the, the General Baptist had uh, an officer that were that were called messengers. Mm-hmm. They were kind of a little bit of a, almost like an associational overseer in a way, and that's not in particular Baptist ecclesiology. They didn't have that yep. position. Um, so that would have been a, a Grantham, subtle difference. Grantham writes a lot on the messenger also. Yeah. And, and, the, and the laying on of hands um, mm-hmm. was, was also a, a big difference as well. And it is kind of interesting that really the, the chief proponent in particular Baptist life about why they should do that was Benjamin Keach, who was, you know, when he was converted, it was through general Baptist ministry. 
Yeah. So he kind of just keeps that and carries that over um, with him. Now, I, you know, one of the sad things and one of the things we have to fight, and, and I don't do romanticism when I do history and think, you know, oh, we just could go back to these <laughs> days. We would be in, in perfection. You yeah, know, I mean, right. they separated over that stuff. I mean, even yeah, in particular Baptist life, Benjamin Keach would, would almost make laying on of hands a, a fellowship issue. And of course, then mm-hmm. you'll have the hymn singing, you know, controversy uh, in particular Baptist life as well. And while, look, I commend them, they were seeking to be pure in their worship. They were wanting, you know, but they there is a way in which you can take the regulative principle too literally and go yeah. too far where you're always constantly almost navel gazing in a sense. Yeah. And I think yeah. sometimes that, that happened with them. So I, we, I wish we had more of a concern for worship like they did, but I think we also have to be careful that we can draw the circle smaller and smaller and smaller if we're not careful and make mm-hmm. everything a first order issue. And, and, and we don't want to do that. Right. Well, that almost becomes legalism, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, really, that's that's what that's what ends up happening is every if everything's a gospel issue, then well, they, you know, it's a it's a this 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 or you're not it, and um, and that's that's important. Um, so, last question here: How is it that uh, how do you think particular Baptists and General Baptists can work together to advance the gospel? All the General Baptists become particular Baptists. That'd be the first thing. <laughs> Uh, uh, no, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, you know, I think obviously, you know, there are certain things that, as you said earlier, you know, you, we have two different traditions. So it's, it, there's going to be, you know, differences yeah. in that sense. But I do think that, um, you know, if, if I if I know of a, let's say that somebody that would stand in the, the, the reformed Arminian tradition of, you know, you, Jesse, and some others, you know, you're, you're trying, you've got somebody that you're supporting overseas and trying to plant a church. It's ordinary means of grace. It's confessional. It's regular principle, all these things, you know, mm-hmm. you know, why, why wouldn't I try to, you know, if I can financially help, yeah. you know, you know why, why would I not do that? I think that we can also, because of, the similarities and the need for conversations, you know, I wouldn't expect Welch to hire me for faculty, obviously, you know, there could be some issues (laughs) there, but I think it would be important for, as you said earlier about dialogue, about having where you bring each other in to your institutions to, Hey, you know, have conversations, talk, challenge, whatever, you know, and, and be able to sharpen each other. You can do things like that. I think even being able to minister, um, you know, in each other's churches, um, I don't think that's a bad thing or, or wrong. I mean, um, you know, Dan Taylor had Andrew Fuller preach and, you know, Andrew Fuller preached for Dan <laughs> Taylor. I also think the same thing happened between Dan Taylor and Samuel Pierce Samuel Pierce, another particular Baptist. And, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't come in there, you know, and preach a sermon and say, why well, I think you should be a Calvinist. You know, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't do that. But I definitely believe I can certainly come in and preach on the glories of, of justification by faith alone in Christ alone because of grace alone, mm. you know, or encourage people. So I think there's things like that. It, you know, relationships are important, having having friendships. And I think that you can even do 
Um, I think there's a difference between an association and a mission society. Sure. There's no way that you can have an association and, you know, I would say have a particular Baptist church and a general Baptist church be in that same association. It's just not going to happen. But I do yeah. think you could cooperate together in a mission sense, um, you know, having some, you know, real able to support like-minded brothers and their families as they're going and serving. So mm -hmm. I think that there's ways that we can do that. Um, it may not be some structure. It may not be some organization. But as far as in our own relationships with each other, and I think trying to promote each other's literature doesn't mean Absolutely. that you agree with everything that's that's yeah. in something. I mean, but but exposing, broadening, you know, people's horizons that, hey, you know, there's others out there that, you know, we've got a lot in common with. And, you know, mm -hmm. there's things that we can learn from them. So I think there's a lot of ways that we can actually work together and fellowship together, build each other up and, and, and do it in a Christ honoring way. Yeah, and we're gonna I be think, in heaven uh, together, so we might as well go ahead and you know get hey, some practice in yeah. now. So, <laughs> well, and you know, again, I I always try to make sure people understand that that number one, this is an intramural debate, mm -hmm. and that 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 and what's another thing too is that there are general Baptist people that I disagree with on things, also, and there are probably particular Baptists that you disagree with on on certain issues. Now they're probably more like lesser of issues than election and predestination, and but but you know what? Uh, I think it's vitally important, especially now, for uh, particular Baptists and general Baptists to unite around. Uh, salvation by grace alone through faith alone in christ alone scripture as inerrant and infallible things like the imputation of christ's righteousness to um unpardoned sinners that's the only way that we're justified things like penal satisfaction and penal substitutionary atonement um those are all things that that both sides agree on and that's the heart of the gospel right there is that that christ came and lived the life you couldn't live and died the death that you should have died to make you right with god and you had nothing to do with that and and that's where there's a uniting and we can have um close close communion with one another um because we both affirm this to be true and uh that is ultimately the chief goal of both sides is to share that news with others. Any uh, any final thoughts, man, before we get off here? I, I would say last thing, I, I, one of the things that I've had to think through, and I've, I've had this discussion, you know, Jesse and I have talked about it before, and I said, you know, I had to come to a point and ask myself, as, as a Baptist, I, I believe that ecclesiology is very important, which means not just the structure or organization of the church, but what we do on the Lord's Day and all those yeah. things. And I said, so I have to ask myself, who, who am I going to be more in fellowship with and communion with and really on the same page with? Is it going to be somebody who maybe affirms uh, Tulip, but is pragmatic, has horrible ecclesiology, maybe even no ecclesiology, um, and, or uh, somebody like, you know, you and him who we've got a lot in common theologically, but we've got some differences soteriologically. Sure. But ecclesiologically, we're we're singing out of the same hymn book. 
You know, we're thinking the same exact way. So who do I, as a Baptist, who am I really having more fellowship with in some areas? And, and, and so, you know, I've had conversations with him where, you know, we think the same way on the ordinary means of grace. We think the same way on yeah. the regular principle. Then I, I'm listening to, you know, the, the podcast going on about the rise and fall of Mars Hill. There's a lot of yeah. people involved in that who would say, oh, I believe in TULIP. But as far as how they think ministry, we're on two totally different planets. So yeah, what right. is the bond that I would have really with them? So I think that's something for us all, to all kind of to think about in, in some ways. Mm-hmm. You know, as Baptists, how much do we really think polity matters? Um, yeah. So that's something for everybody to chew on for a few days. That, that's exactly right. Well, man, I, I'm going to be honest. This, is, this has been such a joy to have this conversation. Uh, we need to have a couple more, and maybe we can have a boxing match later on or something. And um, <laughs> but maybe you know, maybe sometime we can come back and talk about the differences and and uh, just man, how how even the differences can unite us in one way or another. And uh, Jake, man, thanks for thanks for coming on the podcast today. Well, thanks, Ben, and I, and I'm glad for us to, what we have tried to talk about to try to exemplify in this conversation with each other. Glad to do. Yeah. It. And thank you, dear listener, for uh, listening to this conversation. And we hope that this conversation enhances your walk with the Lord and uh, it reaches you with God's truth and for His glory.